and welcome to the Executive Security Podcast, where we talk to CISOs and other leaders in cybersecurity about a career in this industry, specifically how to get into it and how to advance. My name is Gene Fay, the CEO of ThreadX, an API and application security company, and the host of the Executive Security Podcast. Today, we are joined by Yuri Diogenes, Principal PM Manager at Microsoft and the author of an awesome book, which I'm super excited to talk about, Building a Career in Cybersecurity. Welcome, Yuri. How are you today? Hey, Dan. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, Looking forward to recording this episode. Very excited about it. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we're thrilled to have you on our podcast uh, to talk about uh, cybersecurity careers because literally, you you know, you wrote the book on this topic and uh, we are going to be giving away uh, 10 copies of Yuri's book at the end. Uh, We'll discuss the details uh, at the end of the podcast. But for our listeners, this is a a really valuable book. I personally highly recommend it. My producer, Suzanne, felt the same way about it. Uh, You know, this is like literally goes hand in hand with the mission of the Executive Security Podcast. I think you've just hit on such a great blend of high level ideas, but then really practical advice. So, So thank you for writing the book. Absolutely. Uh, it's been uh, a long journey to get this out because there is a lot of other books out there. So convincing the publisher that this was a gap was an interesting journey, but uh, they are very pleased with the results. Well, fantastic. So, well, let's uh, jump into it and let's talk a little bit about your background and you know how you ended up in the field of cybersecurity. Uh, I migrate uh, from IT, as most of uh, our, <laughs> actually, most of the people that work in security, they always come from IT, in particular network. Uh, so I was very heavy on Cisco routers back in the 90s and 2000s. And uh, and security came in back in 2005. That's when I actually started and got my first security certification, which was CompTIA Security Plus. Mm. That's when I started to do some admin security work. But because because if you think about early 2000, end of the 90s, we really didn't have a security department anyway. Right. Um, as system administrators were doing security-related work, but there was nothing like a specific security department in the companies. So it was an easy migration for me because networking has so much stuff related to security capturing network traffic and analyzing network traffic. This whole thing really helped me to build this good foundation. And that's how I started to merge into uh, cyber and working with firewalls and things like that. So that's how I started. That's awesome. And I think it's an interesting thing for uh, people that are just getting started. We do talk about this. So we, we sound like a lot of old uh, men and women when we talk about <laughs> it. But the uh, the beginning of cybersecurity is, is still a relatively young industry. And uh, in a very short period of time, IT people, anybody with any level of understanding of a simple firewall became the security quote unquote team. And, uh, you know, before you know it now, there are CISOs that many that sit at, on the boards of major companies. So it's a very, you know, very blink of an eye type of thing. Uh, but I, maybe enough because uh, they, they don't want to hear us walking both ways, shoeless to school. So you wrote the book and I'd, I'd really be interested, you know, why did you choose to write a book about careers in cybersecurity? Well, first, I've been teaching at EC Concert University for eight years now. And prior to that, before moving to U.S., I was a professor in a university in Brazil as well, 
And students, even the students that are taking cybersecurity, uh, bachelor's in cybersecurity, which is an option that we do have nowadays, they still have questions about which area of cybersecurity they should go. Because mm. cybersecurity is such a broad term. Right. Saying that, oh, I want to work in cybersecurity is almost like saying, I want to be a doctor, right? right. So what's your specialization? What's really want to focus on? Because I also have seen a lot of... Uh, talents that got wasted because they went to an area of cyber that really was not something that they were passionate about. A lot of people, for example, they don't like to code and they went to DevSecOps, which is heavily coded and requires people to have that background. So they really don't feel good about it. So first is, is the idea was create this roadmap that allows you to f- understand what you really want because it all starts with you, what you want to do in life and with your own career and what are your strengths, your weaknesses for doing the self-assessment and identifying which area in cybersecurity you want to go. I think that that's the initial reflection of the book is, okay, let's try to do this self-assessment, understanding what is you're passionate about, which is something that I really talk a lot is being passionate about because it doesn't really matter if uh, you want to go to path A, B, or C, if you really don't like it, you're not going to be successful if you're not passionate about what you're doing. Yeah. So that's also something that I wanted to cover from that angle and allow people to navigate through the different options and how to prepare to get there all the way from identifying the job, going through the interview, getting there. Okay, now I'm there. What do I need to do? Right. So it's like an end-to-end experience. Mm. I mentioned that uh, we really like uh, both Suzanne and I, the producer, really like the practicality of the book. Uh, I think that it's not all theory. I think is super helpful. But I and I, I do love the dedication of the book because you dedicated it to the students that you taught. That was really uh, heartfelt. I love that. So next question. You, you, we've heard a lot about the pros and cons of cybersecurity certificates and just wondering what your take is on that. The answer that I usually give, uh, and mainly when people ask, should I get a certification or a degree, a formal degree, which one is the best option? And the answer is always, it depends, right? Because it depends on where you are in your career. It depends where you are as far as finding a job, because there are some jobs that they will be very specific. You have to have this certification. right? So in this scenario, you have no other option other than taking the certification before even apply to the job. So I see... A certification is something more uh, short-term gains that you can take it and in, in be eligible to apply to a job and you go for an interview. While I see the degree as more a long-term investment that will open doors down the road, it should never be a matter of which one should I get. You should have both, actually, I believe, because one will be for these short-term goals that you are uh, going to achieve and um, depends on the position that you're applying for. Now, one advantage, in my opinion, about certification is that it gives you a roadmap to study. So, for example, if you are just starting the cybersecurity field, you know, have no idea you're migrating from IT, there are a lot of concepts that you don't know. What best way for you to study for this field other than going through a certification that you learn, and at the end, you take the exam and you, you are certified? Now, a lot of people, they misrepresented the certification because they just study for the exam Mm. rather than studying to learn, rather than using that time that you are studying to do some hands-on. A lot of people, they are in a rush to get the certification, so they focus on questions. Oh, do you have any simulation for this exam? 
this is not the approach that I recommend, right? Because you're studying for the exam. That's not the point. The point is using this roadmap, this table of contents that the exam offers to learn about those technologies and then use this certification as the end result. If you learn, you're going to pass anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's great, great advice in terms of the understanding the, the framework at which you want to learn. I, I also pulled one of the uh, the tips out of the book, which is, uh, you know, when you see an acronym or something you don't understand, write it down and go look it up. It's kind of like a, it made me think about all my all of the podcasts we've done and how many acronyms we've used and maybe not explained. Uh, so I think we've got to do a better job, but I think that's a really good good tip to be able to kind of get people to think about it. And I love the idea that f- the framework of the studying for that certification is a great way to just get yourself exposed to it. So I think that's a good good balance of it. So you have a whole chapter in the book about building your lab. Explain what that is and why it's important for those looking for entry-level roles. Yeah, well, it's, of course, the theory, uh, the how-to, the behind-the-scenes of how technology works is very important. But if you have the opportunity to actually start doing some hands-on, then you're going to consolidate the theory with the practice. And you're going to see that things sometimes requires a little bit more work from when you are doing something. So the hands-on labs is very important for you to basically get this whole theory and, okay, let me apply this in an environment that I can mess up because it's my environment. I no worry about production or anything. If I mess up, I can wipe it out and start over. So it's very important to take advantage of uh, some free services that are out there, some trial services, because most of the things, they are 30 days trial you can do a lot of things in 30 days as long as you have the discipline to do some, a little bit every day, right? I, I've seen some people that they subscribe for a trial and uh, they subscribe, but they start using 15 days later. Oh, well, you just wasted 15 days, right? So if you subscribe for a trial, even prior to subscribe, have a plan of what you accomplish every single day. That way you are using the lab and the service cloud services that you subscribe every single day to do something. So it's very, very important to be accurate, have a good agenda, and have goals. That's why in this chapter, I talk about scenarios, because at the end of the day, this is what you really want to accomplish, not only about the product itself, but as about the scenario. Okay, I want to implement a cloud security posture management solution. Okay, which products are involved? What are some of the things that I should be looking at? So I need to look at the scenario. So in the book, there are multiple labs based on different scenarios. It's a scenario for a SIM solution, instant response, how I, I should look at these scenarios and how to implement something. Well, I think it's great guidance. And I, I do like that you're explaining that it doesn't have to cost money to do this. There are lots of uh, great free services or trials are exactly spot on as the way to do that. So those thinking, hey, I've got all this student loan debt or you know, I'm overwhelmed or I, I, you know, I can't spare a dime to do this. There's ways to do that, investing your time, not necessarily your money to be able to be able to do that. And I think when you go to interview and you start to explain what you've done, you'll have much more context as opposed to theory. You'll have true context and that confidence will come through in the interview, when you're talking about it, that the person that's interviewing is going to go, oh, you know, this person has spent some time and put some hands on keyboard to really understand the context 
of it and, and maybe some empathy in terms of the difficulty of deploying these types of things. And those are the types of things that are going to help you differentiate yourself. So I think a big, big proponent of what you're saying in terms of building your lab, I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah, I think you touched a really good point when it comes to interview. Because if you are uh, just a theory person, uh, as soon as you come up with a scenario-based question on an interview, then you're going to stumble and mm -hmm. you're not going to know what to do, right? So if you are exposed to different scenarios in a lab, yes, it was not a customer. Yes, it was not a production environment, but at least you've done and so you have some content to share. Fantastic. Absolutely. You also note the importance of going to conferences uh, in building one's cybersecurity career, but you also state that you need to be intentional in your attendance. Can you explain what that means for our listeners? Yes. Uh, we, mainly with this shift to work online, people attending much, uh, many things uh, virtually, they are not intentional when they are participating because they are not fully there. They are multitasking. They are doing different things. And that's a real problem because you are not present, fully present at that moment. That's why in-person meeting and in-person experience is still unbeatable because if you are in person talking to someone, you're not going to be that person looking at you, talking to you, you're not going to grab your phone and start texting here in front of that person. They're not going to be polite to do that. So you are fully engaged at that moment. And that's why I also say in the book, if you have the opportunity to go to in-person conference, it's even better because there is no other experience other than in-person. You are able to go to the water cooler or to the coffee break and start talking to people and start understanding people's business, what they do, and exchanging ideas in this informal way. So it's not only about the classroom and be in the presentation, but it's about the side conversation. That's how you really get a lot of opportunities. I actually got my job at EC Council University in, at Hacker Halter in 2014 during the cough break and during a conversation with the dean for the university, right? So it, that's how you sometimes get a, a job or opportunity to do a project or participate in a project. It's very important. And being intentional is, okay, I'm fully present at the moment. I understand what that person is doing and I'm exchanging ideas. I'm engaged. In a virtual environment, a lot of people, they don't do that because, again, they are multitasking, their camera is not on, you don't really see a body language, you don't really see any engagement. So there is a, a lot of a challenge when it comes to going to virtual conference. Sometimes a person is doing that uh, virtual conference just to add to the resume that they participate. So it's not the right strategy. You want to expand on that work, but you need to engage. Yeah, no, I think that's, again, more great advice from Yuri. And this is something we hammer on the podcast. Like, go to a B-side. Almost every major metropolitan area has a B-side meetup. Go get there. I also heard great guidance about volunteering. Exactly. Volunteer. Like go and say, hey, look, I'll, I'll check people in. Uh, clean up rooms after sessions, whatever, but put yourself out there. And I know some of our listeners are hardcore introverts and they're more comfortable on their keyboard and gaming by themselves and things like that. And that's all fine and good. But I think in this particular industry, we do have all these open positions, but yet it's really difficult to get into the club. And part of the way to get into the club is to go to a meeting and start meeting people like you and I. And even if we can't directly hire them, 
we're going to say, hey, let me go introduce you to three people that I know. And that interaction in person is just phenomenally more valuable to you as somebody trying to break in the industry. And equally, you look at a couple of years down the road when you're more comfortable at a B-side, you're going to see some young person walk in and they're going to be awkward. You're going to walk over to them and you're going to, you're going to give back to them. So that give back. Mm-hmm. And, and, and last thing I say about the B-sides is I think that they are a safe environment. They're a welcoming environment. It's not one of these, um, I'll use the, bo- I, run, I run marathons. Like the Boston Marathon is the most famous marathon and, and I've run it a bunch of times and I enjoy it, but I find it kind of snooty because it's kind of prestigious. I'd much rather go to the New York City Marathon or even the uh, local marathon because those are like, hey, we're just here all to run. And I think the B-sides are more like, we just want people to come and hang out and join this great fight that we're a part of, right? So uh, I think that's that's a piece of it. So so finally, let's talk about, oh yeah, please. You talk about volunteer. Yeah, yeah you please. talk about volunteer. Yeah. This is something that I also talk in the book and I'm glad you brought this up because volunteer work truly helps. Uh, and, and usually that's how you get into projects. You volunteer for one project and someone says, well, this person did a really good job. I'm going to invite this person yeah. to the next part. I right. say volunteer is very important. Yeah, fantastic. So uh, I hate to say we got our final question already, Yuri, because uh, I could talk to you with hours about this topic. But let's talk about, uh, I think, another area that, we, that we've talked about before, but I think you have an interesting take on it in your book, which are which are soft skills. You know, you write in your book that when hiring often the best technical people, the best technical person doesn't always get the job. So what are you looking for beyond technical capabilities when interviewing or what recommend, recommendation would you give to people that are, that are interviewing so they can help differentiate themselves beyond uh, the certifications and the, and the degrees? Yeah, when I wrote this, and you will, you probably saw that many times in the book, I have this one-on-one with the author with where I tell a story about something that happened to me. It's much easier to train someone technically than change one's behavior towards different situations and how that person behaves in a team collaboration, a teamwork environment. So if I perceive that that person has is coachable, is someone that is really easy for me to give guidance and feedback and that person is going to execute, that is a, a soft skill that I'm looking for, being coachable. The person that has a growth mindset and not a fixed mindset, because in cybersecurity, it's so dynamic, the threat landscape is so dynamic that what it was true yesterday might not true today's for now. So the person needs to challenge their own assumptions all the time. If you come to a, a, a problem with the mindset of, I've seen this and this is the solution, it might not be the case. You might be seeing a symptom, but the root cause is different. And so you have to open your mind. You have to have a growth mindset and be and allow yourself to learn and every day and understand that things change, not be so much biased on your assumptions. So that's another important thing. Critical thinking is so important uh, in this field of cybersecurity as well. That's another great type of soft skills. Being inclusive and empathetic. The days of uh, blaming the end user for everything is over. We cannot do that if you want to improve the secure posture of our customers. Because if every time that something goes wrong, oh, it was user's fault, um, we are losing the opportunity to improve even our, our secure awareness in the company. So there is always opportunity to do better. 
and be more empathetic uh, regarding the situation. So during the interview, we give a bunch of scenarios to understand those attributes and understand those soft skills related to different things. Collaboration is another one. Are you a person that uh, is easy to collaborate? Are you humble enough to ask questions? That's not a problem. Sometimes a person thinks that knows too much and will not collaborate and ask questions or will not delegate because he's afraid to lose in the projects. All those things are extremely important. It is difficult to teach if the person already comes with all those things baked in. It will take a lot of time. It's easier for a higher manager to say, okay, this person has such a great potential, great soft skills. The technical is not there yet, but I'm going to give three months ramp up and train this person, mm. right? It's much easier. Mm. Uh, so I think that, that soft skills is something that a lot of people ignore because they just want to focus on the bits and bytes and be very technical. Recently, I've, I've seen a lot of situations where it was not the best technical person that got hired yeah. just because of the attitude in the soft skills. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I, I look at uh, people that when we're hiring them that at ThreadX, uh, we're looking for cultural fit, which is the soft skills, like how, how do they interact with other people and do, and do they fit our cultural norms as well as the technical people. And, and I have let people go that were high performers technically, but very, very low performers on the soft skills. They were just difficult. They were jerks. And I'm like, we don't, we don't need to work with jerks. And uh, I don't care that they can do a million things and work till three o'clock in the morning. If they're, if they're not good people, I don't want to work with them. And that, that is a soft skill side of it that the people, if you're able to display that in the interview, I do think you, you're able to differentiate yourself. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, and, and I believe the industry as a whole is moving to this direction. Mm. Now, if you can align both, have a great technical ability and great soft skills, then you have like the likelihood of you being unemployed is very low. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, fantastic, Yuri. Thank you uh, very much for your time today. But even more importantly, thank you for taking all your time to write this uh, very valuable book. I hope all of our listeners uh, go out and buy a copy of the book. But also, as I mentioned, we're going to be giving away 10 copies of Yuri's book for the first uh, 10 people that send me an email at genefay, G-E-N-E-F-A-Y, at threadx.com. Include your address and we're going to get a book out to you. For everybody else, uh, if you're not lucky to win one, uh, you can purchase it online. I'm sure it's available, Yuri, at all the usual spots people can find a book. Uh, any website that you wanted to plug, Yuri, for the website? You can find it at Amazon or informit.com. So oh, great. both places are. Awesome. Well, please go out there. Uh, as a reminder to our listeners looking to up their cybersecurity skills, you can get one year free content from our cybersecurity training portal, ThreadX Academy, by using the promo code podcast. Uh, ThreadX Academy covers a wide variety of cybersecurity topics. You can learn more by going to academy at threadx.com. Also, check out a recent popular episode with the CISO of Lowe's, uh, Mark Varner. He's a really interesting perspective on the role. Uh, he calls himself chief risk officer as opposed to CISO, and it's a really interesting understanding of uh, how he explains what we do in cybersecurity. So check that out. And finally, if you want to learn more about API and application security, please visit our website at threadx.com. 
Yuri, thank you again for spending some time with us uh, this morning and wish you all the best. Absolutely, Gene. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you.